Today's show is brought to you by Of A Kind, an online shop for emerging design. For more information, visit ofakind.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. And welcome to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today I'm coming to you live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. You can listen to the show live every Thursday at 11 a.m. on heritageradionetwork.org or download the podcast on iTunes. Today we're doing something a little bit different. All season, um, I'm breaking things up into small quadrants and different topics, and I'm talking about tech, online, and life hacking tools for this whole section of the season. And today I wanted to talk about things that I wish I had known before starting my business. And I think I've learned a lot in the last 10 years, but it's it's always good to have help from someone else who knows what they're talking about. So today I'm joined by New York Times bestselling author and my lovely wife, Julia Tertian. Same person. <laughs> <laughs> one one person. Thanks for being here, Julia. It's my pleasure. Um, and between the two of us, I think we have a lot of experience um, in what not to do. And I feel like we've done everything wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> and you from and what to do. So today the two of us have thought about the things, the, the biggest, most important lessons we wish we had known before starting our businesses. So we're going to share... Um, um, the 12 most important things we wished we had known before. And like all tips, I really think it's most helpful to learn from things that have gone wrong. So a lot of these are inspired by mistakes that have turned into really important business and life lessons. So I'm going to start with the very first one, and we're going to kind of go back and forth with tips. Um, and I'm going to start with the thing I really, really wish I had known and still have to drill home on a regular basis, which is asking for exactly what you want. The bottom line is no one will ever ask you um, what you really want. No one else is going to push for what you really want or what you need. You're the only person in your business who's going to have your best interest at heart all the time. And I think that's been a really difficult one for me to learn primarily because everybody else has a dog in the fight and they've got their own company in mind, their own business in mind, which is exactly how all businesses should be run. But it's really important for you to put your own interests first and you can always keep other people's um, priorities and other people's needs in mind. But I think it's really important if you want to be a successful business owner to really keep in mind the things you actually want. And I think it's important in like a financial sense, but it's also important in a sort of bigger life happiness sense in the way that you actually dream big for the things you actually want. And I find a lot of women who run businesses are often held back by having like very small bite-sized goals and wanting to do things that seem very attainable. But it's really important and very powerful to ask for and really dream for the things that you really hope like deep inside. So I think that's something I wish I'd had drilled down in me a little bit earlier, but now it's something I think about all the time. So that's my very first tip to always dream big and ask for what you really, really want. And I think not to be afraid of what you want and to be in touch with that and that's a whole learning process unto itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a really major thing, which is sort of related to that, because I think it's also just about being intuitive and self-aware, is to trust your gut. Because especially my work is all freelance. So I bounce from project to project. And it's always with different people and different relationships. And I think if you have a bad feeling about the way something's going before it even starts, like, don't do it. You don't need to. Um, and I think it can be hard to, you know, turn away from things. It can be hard to ask for things you want, all, all of that. But I think you really need to, like, follow whatever, you know, your inner compass is telling you to do and to trust it. Because I think the only times I've 
been in situations that have made me uncomfortable is when I've not listened to that voice. And I think every time I've done something, even if it's really challenging, but it's worked out, it's because I've always just listened to that. And, you know, I can't really tell you where that comes from, or I think that's a hard thing to define, but I think everyone has that. And I think it's different for everyone. And you just have to listen to that and just really like, you know, clear your head and just close your eyes and just think about like, is this the right thing? I think it's, I feel like every business person I've ever interviewed has has like brought that up as a point of like every time they felt uncomfortable about something or something hasn't worked out, it's been a time they like didn't listen to that mm-hmm. voice in their head. And it's funny because I think a lot of times people think that that means like, okay, if you always trust your gut, like everything will always go right. But sometimes when you trust your gut, like you end up having to have a life lesson or a learning mm-hmm. lesson. But I think that's just as valuable and sometimes more important than whatever like the quote unquote white right decision would have been. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you're listening to your gut, like even if it ends up being something that's difficult or more challenging than you wanted to, you always learn a lesson that's like so much more powerful than just doing what you're supposed to do. Absolutely. Um, the next tip is it's okay to say no, which I feel like is just tattoo territory because it's something that I think everyone should remind themselves of on a regular basis. And it can apply to the tiniest things and the biggest things. And I think particularly um, women in business, and I don't mean to harp on that, but I feel like it's it's something I've got a lot of experience with interviewing women who run businesses at every different level. And it seems to be something that we struggle with a lot is this idea of saying no to somebody for a million different reasons from not wanting to upset somebody or wanting to burn a bridge um, to feeling like you're missing out on an opportunity or a potential, you know, chance to work with someone or something that's important. But it kind of goes back to the first idea of like, what do you actually want? Mm-hmm. Is what someone's offering you good for you? Is it something that will be beneficial in some way? Are you learning something new? Um, are you being introduced to a group of people that would be important to your business or your life in some way? If not, it's completely okay to say no. And it's also completely okay to ask for things to be put in terms that are better for you. And if I feel like it's sort of wrapped into this idea of like every offer is just a first offer. Absolutely. Like the first thing that comes your way, like there's always wiggle room for it. And I feel like a lot of people I know, especially older men that run businesses, everything is just up for like a debate. It's like the first thing that comes across the table is never the final mm-hmm. offer. And it's always this idea of like, okay, that's their first thing. Let's now come yeah. back with a counter and what's better for us and what else can we get out of it? And everyone I know who's young and run businesses, they're like, oh, that's an offer? I'll just say yes. Like, that's fantastic. Yeah, no can be the beginning of a conversation. And also to tie it to the first thing, I think when you ask for what you want, I always, I feel like I repeat the following line all the time, like to myself or to you. It's always like the worst that can happen is someone will say no. And like, that's not so bad. It doesn't always mean no, or it could mean like, now you have a chance to move on somewhere else. And so saying no and also being said no is like, it's okay. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, like it it gets a little like uh, fancy pants and like metaphysical to talk about the power of no versus the power of yes. And both of those words are loaded with so many emotions and feelings. And I feel like the most important thing any business owner can do is take like the negative power out of the word no. And Amy has been on air a couple of times talking about rejection therapy. Oh, right, right, right. And that idea of like really just sucking the the power out of the word no and making it like less scary maybe we should just all say maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe which is just like a short path on the way to no basically it's the gateway to no. <laughs> it totally is that's um, a tattoo 
Yeah. <laughs> Today we're giving you 12 different ideas for tattoos, essentially <laughs> business-based tattoos. Take that, Tatley. <laughs> um, but I think that's, I think it's important for any business owner to really get used to the idea of saying no pretty regularly because it's something that protects, protects you as a business or protects your health and your sanity. And yeah. I feel like everything we're talking about today are just, I mean, it's basically a list of really positive boundaries. Um, and so no can be a big part of that. So it's a good place to start. Yeah. Um, let's see. The next one is the Julia's next one tip. is, um, and something I feel like I'm only recently starting to truly embrace and it's just the art of delegation and how wonderful it can be. And to n- be really in touch with the first thing that you mentioned, which is just being in touch with what you want and what you're good at and what your skills are, how you want to spend your day to day life. And then think about that and then think about everything else that comes with whatever it is you do for a living And if there's parts of it that you are just not great at or you don't enjoy, find people who are great at those parts and enjoy them and help get help. And whether it's hiring them or I mean, one of the biggest things I've done in my career recently is hire an agent. And and I love my agent and she deals with all the deals and the money and all the stuff that I really like do not love to think about or you know, talk about, I'd rather just do my work. But her work is doing that. And she loves it. And it's perfect. And, you know, and on a smaller scale, I know you've talked about TaskRabbit on the show and how much, you know, it's been great for your business. And learning about TaskRabbit has changed things for me because I can, you know, I don't have enough work to hire someone full time. But if I can hire someone here and there to like run an errand or drop something off or, you know, and it saves me like an hour out of my day. But even more than that hour, it saves me the stress of, you know, just anticipating having to like, you know, get, you know, whatever it is. And it's just, it's worth delegating. And last night, um, I worked on this dinner and it was, um, at the East pole, which is like a fantastic restaurant. And the chef, Nick, I was able to sort of hand over so much of the cooking to him. And it was, it worked cause I know him and I trust him. And it was like this magical moment of like, Oh, I can, you know, sort of have a hand in the kitchen and sit at the table. And I've never really felt that. And that was just great. So I think delegating is wonderful. And just realizing all the things that you might not enjoy, there are other people who do and you can, you know, work together and you don't have to do everything. And it's actually better if you don't. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times people like write that idea off as like, well, I'm a small business, I'm new, I can't afford somebody to help. But I think it's really important to factor in the the worth and the cost of your own time and to sort of like if you mapped it out as an equation and thought okay like this task of having somebody else pick something up and deliver it for me is going to cost me $20 what work can I get done in the hour and 15 minutes it would have taken me to deliver that like is that worth going or is that work going to generate more money for my business than that $20 Mm -hmm. and I feel like if you can answer that question very quickly then it would be a yes and I think for most people it would be it makes it so clear why you should delegate and why it's so important and at that dinner yeah. last night, um, which was with uh, One King's Lane, we were sitting next to um, Susan, one of the co-founders of One King's Lane, and she was talking about they now have like a, a incredibly impressive amount of employees, like 500 of mm-hmm. them at this point. And she was saying that people were like surprised when she decided to hire somebody to sort of run the businessy part of their business and oversee employees. And she was saying it's the best and smartest decision she's ever made because it really allowed her to focus on what she loves and what she does best. Yeah. And I think that benefits any business is if you are doing the thing that you have always done best and always are most passionate about your business can only do well yeah. because if you're suddenly struck, you know, struggling to do HR for your business or payroll or taxes, and that's not actually your strength or your passion, 
the original thing that made your business great is just going to flounder. So hiring someone is always yeah. a good idea. I looked into, it was like maybe a year ago, I was thinking about getting into um, producing more video content. And I found myself looking up like how to make video courses at the news school. And I was like looking at how to buy a camera and all the stuff. And then I realized like, I have no interest in shooting <laughs> video or editing it. Um, you know, and I like to be part of it, but I can find people who do all those things and we can just work together. And like, I literally don't need to take on like a whole new career just to, you know, sort of start a new, uh, you know, new avenue. Exactly. Um, so our next point is the importance of having a mentor. And we each have something to say about this. Um, I think in, in terms of an introduction of this tip, for me, the importance of having a mentor is also the importance of having somebody who sort of sets the bar for you, like somebody who you look up to, whether they're in your field or not in your field. Um, and I think one of the things people struggle with is like, how on earth do you get that mentor? How do you find that person? How do you reach out? Um, and I think it ties into the second half of the tip, which is Julia's main idea about reaching out to people. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's important to realize people whose careers you admire um, and the way they work. And for me, a lot of the mentors in my life are people who I really just like, I look at the way they live their day to day life. And I think like that is something that I would like, enjoy. And so that's has informed sort of who have been mentors in my life. And I think when you are in touch with all those people, you know, just in your mind who you admire, I think realizing they're real people. And, you know, and to me, that means that they eat <laughs> every day, just like we do. So I think it's great to just write those people, call them, whatever, and just ask people if you can take them to lunch. And it's like, you know, it's a little time out of your day. Maybe it's like more expensive than your normal sandwich and something, but it's so valuable. And I think that people who have worked so hard to achieve careers that are admirable that are you know to the point where you are knowing about them I think they're really really pleased to be able to talk about how they got there and what they do and I think um you know being on that end of your career I think it's a real you know just like lovely and experience and a real honor to be able to talk about that and pass that on and I think it's it just goes back again to the first thing you mentioned of just like knowing what you want and asking for it and I just, I really, I'm a big believer in taking people out to lunch. What do you think is the best way to approach somebody for that? I'm sure, I know you get approached a lot to like have your brain picked about certain things. What sort of you think the, the nicest and most polite way to approach somebody? I think recently this girl that I went to summer camp with, who's a bit younger, wrote to me and I was so touched by her email because she was so professional, but also personal about it. And it was so great because she was saying about what she's done and, um, you know, she's been out of college for like just a couple of years now and is considering making a career change. And she sort of explained all that really briefly um, and succinctly. And then she mentioned she's like followed things I've done in my work and like sort of cited examples. So I felt like, oh, she's, you know, everyone loves being paid like attention to in some way. And I was like, oh, you've like connected these dots. And she wants to talk about like connecting more. And we've gone back and forth on lots of things. And so I think being really personal and not like, don't send out an email like which is just basically like insert name here like mm -hmm. I would like to meet you or something. you know it's just I think being really personal because at the end of the day it's a personal relationship you're after so that's a great tip um we are going to take a quick break and when we'll be back we'll be con continuing with the last six tips
interested in emerging design? Check out Of A Kind, a site that sells the pieces and tells the stories of up-and-coming makers. The site has featured over 200 designers and offers limited edition pieces you can't find anywhere else, along with the studio tours, travel guides, even recipes from the designers. To find out more, head to ofakind.com and sign up for the site's newsletter. Hey, welcome back to After the Jump. Uh, I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today I'm joined by Julia Trishan, and we are talking about the 12 things we wish we had known before we started our businesses. And before the break, we were talking about the importance of asking for what you really want, trusting your gut, learning to say no, having a mentor, and now we're talking about a few other tips. And this next one I want to talk about is something that I think I have to remind myself of on a daily basis, and it's really important to check in as a business owner. Um, and that's the importance of really knowing that it's okay to be proud of what you do and promote yourself. Um, I always think about the, the idea of having a proud elevator pitch. And an elevator pitch is a shorthand term for just if you were in an elevator with somebody and you shook their hand and had to describe what you do and who you are, how would you do that succinctly, like within three sentences and that's something i always shrugged off and thought like that's stupid and self-promotional and like just say your name and no one needs to know what you do and you don't need to like brag about yourself but it's actually really important to be proud of what you do and to find a way to explain who you are and the work that you do in a way that that shows off your best qualities and i think that's something that you can continually refine over the years or that you can change over the years but when you meet people and you're networking the best way to do that in a way that's authentic and not cheesy and about like throwing business cards all over the place is to really have a sentence or two that describes what you do and what you believe in and why that's so great. Um, and I think it's something that people aren't taught enough of to really be proud of what you do and to not be ashamed to say like, yeah, uh, my name is Julia. I wrote this book. It's fantastic. Like um, I write about these things and love it. Yeah. I mean, it's something that I totally struggled with for a really long time because I feel like my work is really scattered. Um, and only recently, I think, what was helpful was like, how do I want people to think of me? I don't need to tell them everything I've mm -hmm. ever done. Like yeah. I have a tendency to be like, people are like, what do you do? And I'm like, how much time do you have? Like, <laughs> give you well, first I worked at this bakery when I was in high school and I start there and it's like, they don't need to know all that. And I've gotten really comfortable just saying that I write about food. And I think that ties into everything that I do without having to expand it. And I like the idea of being thought of with that kind of title and I think it comes down to like what do you like when you fill out your thing um, if you go out of the country and you have to fill out your immigration thing to go through and it's like what do you do for a living and I used to like sit there for like an hour on the plane like <laughs> how do I describe it <laughs> and it's like no you can really sum it up and, um, and I think that kind of goes into the next tip which is the um, deciding point of is it okay to work for free and when you know, getting to the moment where you're like, I really deserve to be compensated for my work. And I think for me, when I was starting uh, my career, I guess, I really felt, and I still feel this to a certain degree, of like, I'm willing to do anything. And if it meant working with people whose, you know, company or, um, you know, books, especially, I really admired, I just felt like, I'll do anything. I'll work for free. I just want the experience. I want to see what this is like. I want to see if it is work I want to do. <clears throat> excuse me and then getting to the point where I felt like oh this is work I really want to do this is work I'm qualified for and then all of a sudden this is work I have experience in and then getting to the point where you're like no I, I 
won't work for free. And that's okay. And that's actually as it should be. And I think we're living in a world with like so much freelance opportunity and so much, um, I think a lot of people confuse exposure mm. for currency and it's its own type of currency that I don't deny, but I just, I really think people should be paid for what they do. And mm-hmm. I think it's okay to ask for that. And often you won't get it if you don't ask for it. So exactly. just don't be afraid of it. And you, your time and your work and your energy are valuable and they should be compensated. Absolutely. And I think that ties into like the very first idea of asking for what you want. And I think a lot of people are scared to ask for what they want. And it's what well, like you were saying before, the very worst thing that can happen is that someone says no, or I can't do that. In yeah. which case, you have the opportunity to say no as well yeah. and say, like, thank you for the and opportunity, you have the opportunity but, to move on and not yeah. just wonder, like, if it'll work out. And I think knowing something might not work out just leads you to the next thing and mm-hmm. you just keep going forward. Um, but talking about not working for free, I think the most important thing, and I feel like my like mother will be so proud of me for saying this is truly just to save your money. And also at the same time, not to be afraid to spend it. But I started my retirement account the day after I graduated college. And it's the best thing I ever did. And that's the kind of thing where you really like every dollar counts, you put it and the more you get used to putting money away, it just becomes this automatic thing. And I think like anything like exercise or like eating well or something, it can seem like this thing like, Oh, I'll do it when I'm ready. Or like, I'll do it later when I figure out all this stuff. And it's like, no, just start. And like, if you start, you know, when you're like a student or something, put like, whatever, like $10 away a month or a year. I mean, it's nothing, but it gets you into the habit of doing it. And I think it's really important because especially when you pursue a freelance career where you have time when you're not always working, but you're working to get the work, it's good to have a little cushion. And I think it's a really um, self-protecting kind of thing that's important. Mm -hmm. And no one tells you that in the beginning. Everyone's just like, start your business, put all your life savings into that. That's totally fine. But it's also totally fine to save some money and make sure you have a cushion for anything that you do. And that lets you be sort of more creative at points when you're in between projects and Mm -hmm. stuff. And I think just taking care of yourself financially is really important. And that ties into your next tip. Yeah, which (laughs) is something that I have not only learned, but have like just learned to love, which is just to embrace contracts and to me that always seemed like I was always very proud of that all my work was like on a handshake basis Mm -hmm. and I was like oh it's all based on like these really good relationships and I get to work with people I'm friends with and like that's so great and contracts are like so serious and no way and then you get into situations that are like vague and confusing and like and then all of a sudden you're having to ask your friends for things that just feel uncomfortable and contracts are amazing because you spell that out like from day one so it gets you to it's almost like forcing you to do the elevator pitch like let's sum it up let's Mm -hmm. get it really clear let's figure out who's responsible for what it's a totally like not scary conversation it's a wonderful one and helps you plan everything and then you've got it like in writing and then when things get confusing which they always will you can go back to like hey we like you know you already started the conversation so it's 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 a lot less scary to have the confrontation when you've already started like making things Mm -hmm. clear from step one as opposed to coming in at like step 12 and being like wait can we like clarify this or that so I think it's a great thing and I think it's not anything to be afraid of and just to totally embrace it yeah I think it it really helps you kind of get on the same page as well like it i when you're talking about that, I was thinking about the like massive, massive split, like split that just happened in Heffler Fair Jones, that like mm-hmm. huge typography mm-hmm. company. And it was like, they were the barons of the like type community. And they were like 
very good friends and they were competitors first and then they were friends and they created like the largest type design firm ever and then they just had this massive riff and then now that they've split and all the details have come out about what was in contract form and wasn't in contract form and it was so handshakey and it was like oh i'll take care of you it'll be fine like you'll be credited for these things and then they never happened and you kind of let those things build up and they add up over years and then you get like a huge explosion like that that maybe could have been avoided and you know a business that didn't need to implode could have floated and so i think having that contract even at the tiniest level in a brand new business especially when working with Mm -hmm. friends is no it gives it's like building a house it's like your foundation and it's just you know you can change things of course but it just gives you a place to start that's really clear and that is just so beneficial exactly um my last tip is not entirely related to contracts but it's probably the single most important thing i will probably ever learn as a business owner um and continue to learn every day every month and every year which is you are never done um I've, I feel like forever I've looked for the idea of a work equivalent of plug and play, which is a term that I hear a lot in business meetings, but reminds me of um, elementary school math. And it was what my teacher, how he would describe lurk, working on a mathematical equation. Like once you understand how formulas work, you just plug in numbers and play. Mm-hmm. And it was like how easy it is. And you sit back and everything is like a machine. It goes on its own. And I think all business owners in some sense look to live in that place of like, you get this well-oiled machine that just keeps functioning, but especially if you're working in the web world now, that doesn't exist anymore. And if you're looking for that, working in the web is just the wrong place to be. Um, And I think all of us understand that being online is just a given now, no matter what type of business you run. And so I think the sooner you can understand that when you get to a place that feels comfortable and secure, you can't just sit there. You have to use that as a leg up to the next level. And I think I did not understand that at all in the beginning. And I really wish someone had said like, don't worry, it's going to be okay. Like there will be challenges. You'll get to a place where you think, everything's all right, you've done the right thing, and then the ground will shake underneath you and you have to adjust and change. And learning to adjust and change are the only things that will be consistent in your business. And I think it's such a such an important point. Um, and I think also a lot of people working um, that are women running businesses, it's very much about like, how do you get to this place where you're financially stable and you've achieved something that is... like permanent and I think the idea of permanent in business these days is something to just let go of right now because things are changing so quickly whether you're a maker or you're writing online the audience that you've had is going to be changing just as quickly as your business is so always adjusting and always being understanding of the idea that you have to always shift and move is probably the most powerful thing you can learn because it allows you to feel comfortable when you make a mistake or have to make a change or have to adjust and it doesn't become this big personal mistake you've made it's also really liberating yeah it's like hey maybe that didn't work out let's try something new like just stay on your toes and then all of a sudden everything is just new and an opportunity and you're not like you know if you build something that's like this fortress then it's like then you're stuck in it exactly (laughs) like that's no fun perfect way to illustrate that so if i could have anyone only remember one single thing that would be my last tip and the last uh two important tips are julia's yeah and they're quick ones but i think really important ones and The first is just to not underestimate the power of a thank you. And I think if someone, however big or small a favor is or a lesson is, I think you just need to let them know. Um, And I know that that is something that is rewarding on both ends. And I think it's a way of just also really keeping in touch with people because I think so often, especially in the sort of like age of Instagram, when we're constantly like seeing each other's work and being, I think, very inspired by each other. I think it's good to like just reach out, make the personal 
personal connection and just say, hey, like, that really got me thinking about doing this. And it's turned into this great thing. And I just wanted to thank you or like, I don't know, recently, I mean, this was like kind of silly, but Adam Rappaport in the last um, issue of Bon Appetit wrote this great editor's letter about making chicken pot pie. And it was so eloquent. And it just sounded so good. And I like thought it sounded just great. And the next thing I knew is making chicken pot pie for us and some friends. And I like took a picture and I sent it to him like some like weirdo. But he was like, so sweet about it. And I was just like, I think it's great to be like, hey, this like meant something to me. And thank you. Or, you know, in a you know, if someone does something a favor for you, like, of course, thank them. But I think in small ways, just saying thank you is another way to just start a really good conversation. So I think that's really important. And then the last one, and this is advice I've gotten from my mom forever, and I swear by it is that you really need to turn off in order to turn on and you can't be on all the time. And the time when you turn off and whether that means like sleeping or exercising or going on vacation or getting a massage or just reading or just not working, you need to do that. And it's just as important as the work and it will make your work better. And it's just, it's so vital. And I think to be able to turn off and not feel guilty and not feel like you're missing out on anything or it's just so important. And I definitely struggle with it, but I like the idea of it. There was a great article, I think, yesterday morning um, in Fast Company, which just apparently does nothing but write articles that like makes my brain explode. Love every, it. <laughs> every morning I'm like, Fast Company, thank you. Um, and Fast Company wrote an article uh, about how you're just a terrible worker if you're always busy. Mm-hmm. And it was like just the busy trap. And there have been a million articles written about that. But it was just kind of from the perspective of evaluating your brain's ability to function. And it was like the more busy you are and the more that you're living in this like scarcity mentality of like, I only have 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. What's the best decision I can make in 10 minutes? None of your decisions are good. Yeah. And they basically were like, stop being so busy. Like it's everybody says these things and they're hard to do, but they really broke it down from a scientific perspective of how crucial it is to let your brain relax and unwind because otherwise you're just never making the best decisions you possibly can for yourself or for your business. So agreed. Listen to fast company, everybody (laughs) and get Um, tattoos, (laughs) get some tattoos. Uh, We'll stay tuned for the, less permanent tatly versions of all of those things. Um, thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Julia for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, good luck, everyone. If you've got your own advice, feel free to share it um, either on the Design Sponge post or under the post here on Heritage Radio. And we'll be back next Thursday at 11 with a brand new show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website, or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.